Greetings! Welcome to the Wikisurfer Series 1 Wrap Episode. Wikisurfer is normally a kind of experiment in podcast storytelling. Basically, our format is this. Two guys, Brandon Fibbs and myself, Kyle Sullivan, each pick a starting topic on Wikipedia, crack it open, and see what hides inside. Moving purely on curiosity, hopping from hyperlink to hyperlink, we pick the best, weirdest, most wonderful stories possible. At least that's what happens in a normal episode. In this episode, we are going to review how Series 1 went, reveal our favorites and our not-so-favorites, as well as the results of our listener survey, and maybe hand out a few awards. We should also mention that we use the word series in place of the more traditional season. So if we say anything in the coming minutes about the last series of Wikisurfer or our end-of-series poll, that doesn't mean our show is kaput. It just means that we like British phrases and sounding pretentious. Let's get started, shall we? Let's do it. All right. So I think, Kyle, the first award we should hand out is our Weirdest Surf Award. All right. Sounds good. Uh, I think we should probably define what we mean by Weirdest Surf. I actually think that's a really good idea because we posed this question in our poll, and I think that a lot of our audience members who are participating likely uh, mistook the intent of this question. I think you and I were asking which was the weirdest, oddest, most kind of like mind-melting sort of, of, of story, and I think a lot of people took it as which was the story that was just that we produced weirdly. And uh, and I think a lot of people were actually highlighting stories they didn't like or elements within stories that they didn't like rather than stuff they did. So for, for me and I think for you, what we're asking for is what's just, oh my God, that story was so odd. So I take it you've given some thought about uh, what qualifies for you, which story makes the, the cut for you? Yeah, for, for me, my favorite, my not my favorite, my oddest surfs were um were actually two of my own project habakkuk which was of course the story in world war ii of the allies the british trying to create an aircraft carrier made entirely out of ice and the other would be the story of elmer mccurdy who was killed in the late 1800s turned into a mannequin and survived all the way up into 19, I want to say 1973 or 1975, when everyone thought he was a wax mannequin. And then we actually discovered he was, in fact, a human being, a mummy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> of those two, uh, I think Elmer McCurdy probably gets uh, uh, my vote. Of those two. Same here. The, those are my two finalists, and I'm going to go with Elmer McCurdy. Yeah, Elmer McCurdy was... that. They just... It's so, uh, he comes up in a sele- as a selection for a, 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 an award here in a minute, but what a wild, weird story. Like, that just does not happen, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, uh, I think the, the the reason that he is even here in the first place is because uh, his story is unique, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, so my, my pick for weirdest is actually another story that you did uh, in our uh, second episode, uh, The Flying Beaver. Yes. Uh, yes, Geronimo the Flying Beaver. To me, that's just the that's a very uh, odd, weird circumstance where he, an element of the U.S. government uses a parachuting beaver to test a concept of beaver repopulation. And, uh, you know, animals don't normally wear parachutes. And I think that 
is the start of an odd story. <laughs> I completely agree. Completely agree. That's a perfect one. You know, next season we should probably call this rather than the uh, the oddest story, the 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 weirdest. We should just call it the the Flying Beaver Award. I agree. It has a very Monty Python feel to it, doesn't it? So in the case of our poll, unfortunately, Beaver does not make a cut. So we have a couple honorable mentions. These are the honorable mentions: uh, History of Profanity, The Birth of Countries, Project Habakkuk. And the Centralia Coal Fire. Those are our honorable mentions. But the ones that got the most votes are the story of the missing foot, the evolution of Santa Claus, and, of course, Elman McCurdy. Uh, So a couple more votes. We got those are all tied. Then we have a couple. We have another tie here. Uh, The birth of recorded sound and accidental mummies. However, the audience winner for most weirdest story, most weirdest surf we did with almost triple the votes of its closest rival was the life history of the Amazon River. The earth must have been baking. You must have been quite a warm little river, Brandon. I bet it feels nice. Oh yeah, oh, this feels great. I recommend this temperature if you ever decide to become a river. Really? Yeah. That was the weird one for people, huh? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So this is an example where I, I do wonder if some people said that this was their weirdest story, not because of what you were telling, not not the history of the story, but the way we told the story uh, with like me you know, doing the voice of the Amazon River. So maybe that's why it got all the votes it got. But uh, yeah, but like I said, by triple the votes of, of its closest uh, runner-up, the life of history of the Amazon River is the weirdest story we told all series. I'm I'm willing to bet that's down to the format. It was significantly different than what we had been doing with the rest of the series. So I, I bet people were thinking that it was strange because of the format. And, str- and strange doesn't mean bad. No, absolutely not. Strange is usually good. Um, no. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, like, I guess that's a strange story. I wonder, I want, you know, I, I might be willing to surf in this direction in the future, but... Maybe the Amazon's actual life history is strange compared to other rivers. Well, it did have snakes the size of school buses. Yeah, that tends to be a problem. So what's next, Kyle? Uh, next up is our Best Soundscape Award. Nice. And just to properly define this, this was a particular surf or story uh, that had the best sound designed behind it, the, the most plugged into the story sound design, meaning that the sound really accentuated the experience of listening to it and um you know i'm gonna go with the life of the amazon the life history of the amazon river so i have a runner-up and it was the the life the story of santa claus how we invented santa claus um that was just a rich audioscape but for me the winner is flat out easy no competition and that's that's yours. That's the life of the Amazon. That one is so multi-layered, so rich, so much oral complexity going on. And I lost myself in that world. I could close my eyes and imagine I was in that Amazonian rainforest. It was so well done. Well done, Kyle. I uh, love that one. Do you feel that great unending tropical rainforest covering every conceivable square inch of your riverbanks, Brandon? It feels great, man. Like being in front of thousands of adoring fans. Thanks. Uh, I guess it helps if you have the starring role. Um, was there a particular aspect uh, of of the sound in there? Uh, for me, uh, a thing that I really liked 
about that was whenever you were uh, talking as the Amazon River, there were these like splashing effects behind it. And to me, it just it put it put a mental image of you in a bathtub uh, every time I did it, which was kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> me in a bathtub. Hopefully that's not giving our listeners that same uh, image. <laughs> but for some reason, that like was a cool feature to your speaking uh, was that the water was kind of talking at the same time. And like, I don't know. That was cute. I agree. I noticed I noticed that you had done that. I, I liked that uh, aspect of it. I more thought of myself, like when I was hearing it, I, I kind of had more conjuring of like the uh, the water tentacle from the abyss or something like that. Some, you know, person formed in, in water, in shimmering water. But yeah, absolutely. 100%. It was awesome. Uh, we didn't ask this particular question of our audience, uh, but that certainly didn't stop them from talking about the show's production values. In fact, 75% of you thought our production values were first rate. Thank you. Uh, among the praiseworthy, praiseworthy comments uh, were, quote, the sound effects and ambient sounds really help the stories come to life. This really sets it apart from other interesting stuff podcasts. Keep doing that. Using a mix of translate bot and native speakers to pronounce certain words is also very cool and could be considered an audio calling card, so to speak. Uh, don't lose that either. I agree. I agree. That's kind of a calling card. Another comment is, uh, I don't know how you found find the time to add all those little sound effects and voiceovers. And uh, Frank, neither do we. <laughs> neither do we. <laughs> <laughs> if we did, we would probably have more episodes out there or have them released every week rather than every two weeks. So, you know, those those were pretty kind, but not everyone was so kind, Kyle. In fact, some fans thought we overdid it with the special effects. One person said, uh, quote, personally, I think you could tone down the special effects, not eliminate them completely, just kind of slide them more into the background. Hmm. Perhaps that could be said of several, several serfs. I'm, I don't know. I like them. A number of people dislike the singing in the nation building surf. Uh, quote, it drove me so crazy, I almost turned off the episode. I found myself skipping those segments with my podcast player's skip 30 seconds uh, button. Uh, please don't do that again. Um, yeah, that maybe that didn't land exactly like we planned. Um, I'm sorry. But we might try that again, but it'll be better next time. So let me just <laughs> forewarn there. Like we'll, we'll make sure that the concept is integrated much, much more worldly into the, into the story itself. So... You know, you win some, you lose some. Hey, at least we're swinging for the fence, you know, let, trying to do different things and creatively interpret different stories, not have them all sound the same. So uh, if we're going to if we're going to err, uh, you know, I always go back to that Teddy Roosevelt quote of um, daring greatly. And at least, you know, if you dare greatly, you may fail, but at least you tried. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And like the concept that we did uh, there with the singing like the idea still is attractive to me. If you're talking about nation building, which you know might not have been a great surf topic, but like how else are you going to animate such an absolutely dry, you know, topic? And to their credit, uh, Patrick and Beth Sullivan who did the singing there. Uh, you know, they they invented some of those melodies on the fly, and yeah, they did a great job. They did a great job. Well, you know, you mentioned a, a couple seconds ago that the chapter headings. You read one of our anonymous commenters said something about loving those little computerized chapter headings and stuff like that. Not everyone liked those, and to you know, for a lot of our listeners, we tested the first two episodes with some of our dearest friends and colleagues before we kind of launched this thing out into the world. And we used to have a lot more of those kind of like, they weren't chapter headings, but we would just have like different vocal reinforcements. And 
we realized very quickly people were not fans of those. And so there's a lot more of them that are still in episode one and two. And so perhaps some of uh, the people that disliked those are really commenting the, commenting on like the earlier episodes because we certainly dialed them back completely on, I think, what, episode three on. Mm-hmm. And we only ever use them as chapter titles so that you know, okay, this is what this surf is about. Um, but we did have like, one person said, some of Kyle's stories have a weird editing to them, which repeats the words he just said right after he just said them. And it annoys the crap out of me. But I still love the podcast. And I have to admit, like, I'm not sure why. It, was this person not paying attention? Because they're in all of my stories, too. I don't know why they're picking on you, Kyle. We did this for every single story, same way, yours and mine. So hmm. well, maybe you just stuck out. It happens. <laughs> yeah. The, there's some other ones. The uh, the computerized voice pronouncing of things, someone said. It's so modified, it makes it actually hard to understand sometimes. Another person said, the Wikipedia repetitive word pronunciations are wearing on my last nerve. But I still love the show. Just maybe a little less often. So, we are here to announce that starting with season two, we are going to continue this motif of a sort of like chapter heading statement. But we're only going to ever use them as chapter headings. And we're going to be swapping out the computerized voices that you heard in series one for a regular human voice. And we are, in fact, auditioning some really amazing voices right now. And that person is going to be whomever we choose is going to be uh, you're going to hear them several times throughout every podcast of series two going forward. So what uh, what award is next? So the next one we're going to go with is most unbelievable. Which surf was literally the most unbelievable thing you heard the entire series? What were, you know, so Kyle, when you, what do we kind of do about this? Like what, what are the most improbable aspects of the surfs that, that you would look for in giving out an award like this? I guess the, like the highest percentage of not like reoccurring, mm. uh, you know, something that it could only happen once, uh, kind of a quality to it. I think that's what, what I'd be looking for. Agreed. Absolutely. Um, and we actually already hinted at this earlier. This is so, some of these, you know, awards share a little bit of the of some little crossover DNA. Um, but for me, that was Elmer McCurdy because of that exact reason you just said something that has happened only once, something you can't conceive of happening except once. Uh, so that was your pick, Elmer McCurdy? Elmer McCurdy. Yeah, that was my pick, too. What craziness. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So crazy. So we had some uh, runner-ups here for this uh, on the poll. Quite a few people thought that the Japanese invasion of Alaska was was the most improbable and unbelievable. Uh, some people focused on the You Social Spiders story. Mm, yeah. And then we had quite a few people who liked the accidental mummies and the attempted presidential assassinations. However... Our listeners agree with both you and I. Uh, every the the audience winner was Elmer McCurdy. That is the most unbelievable story. In December of 1976, the television show The Six Million Dollar Man with Lee Majors was filming at the amusement park when a prop man moved what he thought was a wax mannequin hanging from the gallows. That's when the mannequin's arm broke off, exposing a human bone and muscle tissue. By far and away, I think. Uh, but those runner-ups do sound interesting. You Social Spiders is kind of unbelievable if you've never heard of them. And I certainly hadn't when I started that story. Uh, but the the overall story that you did about intentional and accidental mummies, like that that kind of blew my mind. That was a great surf. And it was just like I'd, I'd always thought of mummies as like a rare circumstance. And no way. Like people have been doing mummies 
a lot. And that was unbelievable. Yeah. And and not only people doing mummies, but nature doing mummies. I mean, that, that was a fun thing about that story is that you had intentional mummies, which everyone's used to. And then accidental mummies, which the most for me, the most fascinating mummies were probably the ones that were not on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like Elmer McCurdy. <laughs> like Elmer McCurdy. Well, I mean, yeah, te- I mean, technically he was embalmed, so that was intentional. People just forgot he was a mummy or didn't, you know, as time went on. I'm just talking like more about like the fact that the bog bodies, the people that got uh, encased in these bogs and soil and then they stayed thousands of years in almost perfect condition until they were discovered. That kind of stuff mm-hmm. just blew my mind. The, the fact that so many of these mummies were still so intact that you could get fingerprints off of them and that they still had hair and and that stuff just boggles my mind. What's next, sir? Next is the Spock Award. Uh, and Ooh, I approve. Uh, disclaimer slash asterisk slash uh, footnote here. Brandon and I are pretty big Star Trek fans. <laughs> pretty big? Um, we, what we mean by Spock Award is simply what surf is the most fascinating. Uh, what tickled your fascination bone, Brandon? Which story, which surf stands out to you? For me, two really stood out. Um, and they were both your stories. One was the story of... Henry Adams, uh, the story of the British sailor who went through hell, found himself captured and stranded in Japan, and then became a shogun to a powerful um, Japanese warlord in, I believe it was, what, the 16th century? Um, that story was <laughs> amazing. Talk about talk about something that should be um, a movie right now. Martin Scorsese, I'm looking at you. Like, make that movie. Um, however, the, my pick for this is less um, cinematic and more just so rich and fascinating. And that is the birth of recorded sound. So thousands of these cylinder recordings were sold to the public. Many of the artists and tunes recorded are not something we'd recognize today, even though some of them are quite good. Each cylinder is a kind of time machine. We may not know the artists or the specific songs sometimes, but we would certainly recognize some of the styles of music. Uh, yeah, that was a good one. Uh, I like that topic. Also, a kind of an off the beaten path topic for us this series. Some of the, the some of the things the, the stories that worked the best for me were the ones that you didn't anticipate being um, that impactful. Hmm. The story, uh, the history of recorded sound. Okay, um, that's going to be interesting. Uh, yeah. It really is. Yeah, I guess I guess because it had a lot of emotional depth to it. It, it. it sounds like another dry topic. Oh, boy, you know, I'm going to read about phonographs. But when you actually listen to the recordings, it's like, oh, my God, there's a whole world in there, you know? So, so true. Um, for me, my my pick for most fascinating for the Spock Award goes to your surf about... Mr. Dashold. The book would be adapted for the screen four times. The best-known version is now a film noir classic starring Humphrey Bogart. The Maltese Falcon was Hammett's biggest success yet, and he moved to Hollywood, where he lived lavishly, spent money with abandon, cavorted with movie stars like Harpo Marx and Gene Harlow, and began consuming alcohol on a titanic scale. Guy participated in the Japanese invasion of Alaska and became a Hollywood screenwriter and an author and uh, uh, was a communist. I think he was a communist. He was. Um, yeah, that to me, like, that's a crazy 
interesting person and the, the definition of fascinating to have touched so many corners of, of 20th century life and to have contributed to the movies like that. It, uh, he, he's an interesting fellow. Totally. Also somebody that should have a movie uh, made in his honor. I, I believe there's at least been one or two, but they've they've been the sort of movies that um, they're not. It, it's more like he figures into a story, but it's not a true life. It's not a uh, historically accurate story. It's just like someone would be like, it would be cool if we involved Dash Lamb. You know, it's the sort of thing like in the uh, young Indiana Jones Chronicles several decades ago, you know, and you'd have mm. Indiana Jones would meet historical figures. Um you know, he's featured in movies playing himself or as himself, I should say, but not historically accurate representation of his life. You're right. It would be an amazing life to depict on screen. Uh, this is another question that we didn't ask the audience. Um, however, a great many of you had a lot to say about the show's ability to teach things you didn't know uh, about fascinating topics. One quote, the learning is paramount. If it didn't deliver on the promise that I'd learn new things, then I wouldn't listen. So that's nice. Somebody's fascinated, at least from from that perspective. Another another person says that the podcast provides content that is of a general interest for curious types. Another person is fascinated, obviously. Somebody else says, uh, I find it intellectually stimulating and being a curious person, I'm always interested in learning about new things. And we got several comments like that. So I guess the show, the podcast as a whole is fascinating. Do we win the Spock Award as a whole? Uh, you know, wh- one of my favorite quotes was the the person who'd said something about th- that they love that the the entire show is built on an apparatus in which we are guided only by c- pure curiosity and not afraid to you know look into things that we don't know anything about and then give that information to our listeners and uh, yeah that's what that's what we do that's our mission statement yeah and I love it yeah. I'm glad they love it too uh, so next up we've got what most epic surf ooh. Yeah. Okay. What do you think qualifies as most epic, Kyle? Uh, epic to me speaks entirely of scale. So biggest, uh, boldest, or uh, most X or Y. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. The most sweeping. The 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 ones that kind of leave you feeling small in the face of them. That's kind of that's how I that's how I look at it. And uh, given that. You will not be surprised to say that my winner for this is your story of the history of the Amazon River. You and the other rivers are now pooling in between these mountain ranges into a big lake, the Peebus Lake, or Peebus Wetlands. This is a curious ecosystem that is threatening to erase your very existence. I want to be free, Kyle! I'm a river. That not only told a story that geographically encompassed a massive area of planet Earth, but it encompassed tens of millions of years. And like I said, when we originally recorded that podcast, I felt like I was standing on some sort of bluff overlooking an Amazonian basin and watching it time lapse before my eyes as as history moved forward. And I just watched the progress happening, you know, at a rate of speed that is unthinkable. Um, so, yeah, Amazon River for me, most epic surf. That is definitely a qualifier for epic. Uh, the scale of that the whole continental story. But for me, I think the most epic uh, surf would be from uh, episode three Uh, We did a story on the end Permian mass extinction. We aren't exactly sure why, 
Much of the conclusive evidence we need to make a determination as to the exact cause has been eroded away or consumed back into the Earth. 250 million years is a long, long time. Long enough for evidence to be obliterated several times over. Was there an asteroid or a comet impact? Something else? We aren't sure yet. Which was like this several giant like volcanic eruptions that encompassed half the planet. 90% of the sea life died. 70-something percent of all terrestrial mammals died. Uh, or terrestrial vertebrates died. And to me, like, in the very literal sense, that was the most epic mm. uh, scale that we've talked about and the most epic, like, scale of destruction. Like, we destroyed half the planet and had the most significant loss of life in Earth's history in that one particular surf. Yeah, so, the, yeah. thematically, the, the, the kind of synergy between both of the stories that you and I have talked about here are things that take place over millions of years and, and deep in history, deep back in deep time and stuff like that. So, yeah, that I think you and I are uh, simpatico on on how we feel about that. Indeed. Well, our audience members said that this was one of the hardest they had to answer because they thought there were just so damn many amazing stories to choose from. So we have like lots of honorable mentions. Uh, let me just read these off real quick. Ghost towns, Spanish flu, the Canada Paci Canadian Pacific Railway, flying beavers, the Permian mass extinction, the Japanese invasion of Alaska, Henry Adams, the first European samurai, the attempted presidential assassinations. The story of Oriana, uh, Francisco Oriana, the, the conquistador uh, who was in, who featured in the final Amazon story, and the uh, human-penguin relationship story about the how both animals and, in some cases, uh, human communities have been wiped off the face of the earth. Hmm. But we have one runner-up, and that was your story on the eruption of Mount St. Helens. Hmm. But the audience award winner for most epic story was... The life history of the Amazon River. We've crossed from the Eocene to the Oligocene epoch, and the world is getting colder, drier. The ocean, for example, dramatically dropped in temperature around 34 million years ago. <sighs> I need a sweater. Can rivers wear sweaters? Another another Amazonian river. Uh, nice. Okay. I like it. Did you know when you were writing this and, or even recording it, did you know it was going to be this popular? Uh, no, I didn't. In many ways, the, it was the same impetus that we did for the uh, nation building uh, story with the singing. It, it was mm -hmm. the same, like, how how can I use, you know, the tools of sound to make a thing work? And, like, it should have gone completely sideways, uh, but I guess it didn't, you know. So, you know, just like we're discussing, you know, trying new things. One maybe didn't work for some people. The other one seems to have really worked for a lot of people. So, well done. We're basically gambling here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Epic Kyle, we asked about show length. And 57% of you love Wikisurfer's length, even though most episodes averaged an hour and a half and one or two even ran longer, closer to two hours. An additional 33% of you thought the length was just fine. So we have a confession to make. Starting with series two, we plan on making the episodes a lot shorter, like around half an hour to probably more accurately 45 minutes or so. We just can't sustain doing such long shows um, and we're afraid for your ears as well. So there are also going to be some other changes in series two, but we don't want to ruin the surprise. So you're just going to have to wait and see what else is coming and what else we're changing. But I promise you, uh, I think these changes are for the best. They're for the best. It'll be good. It'll be a lot of fun. 
let's see. What's next? Uh, next is most obscure. So basically, what surf was the most or I should say least known. What was the story that you that came out of left field that you never saw coming and said to yourself afterwards, how did I not know that story? Right? Right. So, you know, yeah. So this basically most obscure, we might as well title this like story that needs to be more widely known. Uh, one person who commented said that, you know, people often get hung up on how mundane life is. And when you guys really are able to show just how bizarre and unpredictable it is in all of its areas throughout all of time. And I love you guys for that. And we, sir or madam, love you for that. We love you. Yes. So, Kyle, what were your uh, most obscure picks? Uh, for me, the most obscure story that needs to be more widely known uh was from episode seven, and it was the the surf we did talking about the Amazon as a center of human civilization. Mm. And it, it's kind of quasi-political, kind of quasi just a basic story that people don't know about. But, you know, people really don't know about this stuff. People don't know a lot about the pre-Columbian history of the Americas. And in that category, the Amazonian peoples are the least well-known, especially to us uh, Norte Americanos. Indeed. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's my pick. Indeed. For me, I, I had a number of them and I, I'm noticing a theme here and that is, and I'm looking at this and my picks are all my stories. And I'm not saying that in a, my picks are my stories sort of way. I'm looking at it in a, clearly I am attracted to certain stories. I'm attracted to these kinds of stories. Um, I like finding things that break my brain that I didn't know and then kind of being like, oh, my God, I need to find the tallest structure I can and shout these from the rooftops so that everyone knows them. It was it, like some of those presidential assassination attempt stories. How had I never heard some of those? The the move bombing. How had I never heard the story of the U.S. dropping bombs on its own people in a, in the city of Philadelphia? Mm. The Spanish flu. That was a, that was a, you know, I'm familiar with the Spanish flu, mm. but I don't think anyone's familiar with the scope of the just sheer amount of human beings on planet Earth that got wiped out by that flu. It just boggles the mind. But for me, the winner is something a little less epic, but no less bonkers. And for me, it's the Japanese invasion of Alaska. The fact that during World War II, yeah. foreign enemy forces occupied part of America and held it for a year, if I recall my, my time correctly, is not something I ever knew growing up. In fact, I'd always been told the opposite. As a point of pride, America's never been occupied. That's not true. And that's an amazing story. Yeah, I can see why you picked that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that and the move bombing, actually. And the move bombing, by the way, also a really great surf you did. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, that, to me, might have been a really close runner-up for this category. Yeah. Well... When we polled our audience, speaking of runner-up, we've got uh, here a number of honorable mentions here. The Canadian Pacific Railway with its spiral tunnels, eusocial spiders, the attempted presidential assassinations, the history of profanity, the life of E.O. Wilson, hmm. and the evolution of Santa Claus. Those are all honorable mentions. But our runners-up were the birth of recorded sound, the move bombing, and the Spanish flu. So our audiences are clearly tagging right along with what, uh, what we what we were going with, uh, even more so with the audience winner. The Japanese invasion of Alaska was our audience's number one choice for uh, the story that needs to be more widely known and told. The last of the Japanese forces attacked in one of the largest bonsai charges of the Pacific campaign. 
Like seppuku, which is the Japanese ritual in which samurai would disembowel themselves in order to die with honor rather than be captured, the bonsai charge was considered to be another form of jioksai, which literally translates as shattered jewel or honorable suicide. The Japanese penetrated all the way through and into the rear of the American force, engaging in close quarter and hand-to-hand -hand combat with swords. I agree with you and I agree with the audience. I don't understand why that's not in the history books the way it is. It, it is really kind of dumbfounding that that isn't spoken of more more often. I think it's just so on the on the extreme corners of even World War II's history that it just doesn't kind of work its way into like, you know, if you're making Band of Brothers, that's all about the uh, the European theater. If you're making the Pacific, that's all about, you know, the Pacific theater and the islands and fighting the Japanese. This was fighting the Japanese, but it's in snowy mountains of Alaska. It just doesn't make sense. So where do you put that story? So I'm really glad we were able to let a lot of people know about it. Agreed. Also should be a film. Uh, I agree. It could absolutely be its own standalone film for sure and should be. All right. What are you, what are you doing next weekend, Kyle? You want to make a movie? Uh, Yeah, always. <laughs> so what's next, sir? Uh, next is the Best Rabbit Hole Award. And this simply refers to which surf could have kept going and going. Uh, you could have kept clicking on links and going deeper and deeper down onto the topic. And uh, I, there's... All of these obviously qualify, you know, as a as a runner-up. All the surfs we've done are, except for maybe one, you could have kept going and going and going and 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 discovered new things. But for me, the best rabbit hole was probably the history of recorded sound, and only because you know I didn't get a chance to listen to all of the different recordings that there were. And every time I clicked on one, it was like opening a whole new world. I love that you can hear in so many of these the movement of the cylinder or the or the disc you can just you can hear the rotation in the quality of the hiss yeah you could just you could just waste away a couple of days listening to century old recordings and for me that's the rabbit hole um but for you what would you have chosen man th that is such a good choice i it's just such a transportive thing. You know, we all I kept, I remember, I can remember it as like clear as yesterday recording that episode. It's just, it's stuck in my mind in a very special place just because of how beautiful and melancholy that surf, that entire surf was. And I can totally see how you, there's just so much stuff out there that uh, there has to be stuff, mind melting, heart melting stuff that's still out there that we haven't even captured yet mm. or that's lost to time. Uh, from that story that is beautiful. For me, it's two stories that, that have come up already, and that's the uh, the intentional and unintentional mummies. She was relatively unknown until 1971, when workers digging an air raid shelter for a hospital uncovered her tomb, as well as that of her husband and, they think, her son. With the assistance of more than 1,500 local high school students, archaeologists began the excavation of the site and the assassination attempts on the presidents of the United States. But did you know there were two other attempts on Abraham Lincoln's life? The second one occurred just a year before he was killed. An unknown sniper with a rifle attempted to shoot Lincoln while he rode his horse one evening unguarded. 
He was very nearly successful. The bullet passed through Lincoln's hat and knocked it from his head. When I shared both of those serfs, um, I, sh- you know, they were uh, they were not one single story. They were lots of little like mini mini serfs, mini episodes, um, and. I maybe like on the mummies, I think I maybe shared six or seven stories. There were pages of those stories. Oh, wow. Same with the assassination attempts. Like I shared, you know, a, a dozen or something of those. There were dozens of those um, to the point where you're, you you could do that all day. You could just lose yourself in Wikipedia on those surfs hmm. all day. There are so many, so many People who've been very meanly trying to kill the president of the United States, and there are so many mummies in the world in found in the most fascinating places. You know, I, I need to amend uh, and add that the mummies surf is going to be a close runner-up for me, too, because not only is there a lot of them, but, like, each time is a different cultural context and time period. And, you, like, you could just yeah. you can go sideways on those surfs in different directions and... That that was a really cool topic. Yeah, yeah, totally. Each each story had its own utterly unique color and flavor from the other stories. We didn't ask this question of our listeners, uh, but they still posted a bunch of comments praising how Wikisurfer feels like one enormous rabbit hole and uh, plot twist it is. Someone made the comment, quote, I love the concept of taking a Wikipedia article and jumping from hyperlink uh, to hyperlink to weave an interesting podcast. Uh, another person says... Love witnessing someone else going down the rabbit hole. It's easier when you let someone else do it. Somebody else says, I love your passion for the subjects. Interesting topics told with humor and detail. Uh, thank you very much. And yeah, I mean, people. a lot of people had something to say about that. And I guess basically the show is kind of a rabbit hole. That is true. But we did have one um, asterisk or, or uh, one story or one story that didn't go. You know, like it had a complete dead end. And that was, or maybe we had two actually. Uh, but one of them was the penguin human relations uh, for the people of Tierra de Fuego back in episode two. And I think we had one other story where you, quote unquote, came off your board. What was that? Mm, I think I came off it a couple times. Hmm, okay. But now that I'm being put on the spot, I can't remember. But yeah, there are a couple. There are some stories that you could be like, yep, I could surf another 10 times. And then there were some stories where you're like, I think I can't go any further than this. Didn't happen often, though. It really didn't. That's the gamble. Yeah. Uh, so we've, we're leaving rabbit ho- rabbit hole. And what's our next reward? Well, it's pretty good. It's very appropriate that you mentioned uh, the uh, the great auk and the the civilizations in Tierra de Fuego who have who have now gone extinct because the next award is for the darkest surf. So basically, which surf was just bleakest? Which surf, you know? Pulled you down in the doldrums. Which surf was like, whoa, that's a heavy one. I uh, I just kind of need to go sit and think about this one for a while. What do you think, Kyle? Like, what are your, what were your, uh, you know, what was your most disturbing feature of some of our surfs? Uh, so we had a lot of surfs that, you know, touched the the, the mortal realm, so to speak. It, we we killed a lot of people this season. We killed a lot of people, and and guess what? A lot more are going to die next next series. So, um, <laughs> Uh, like the in Permian mass extinction qualifies as a dark surf, but but for me the winner uh, of this award should be in, in a clear runaway way is your story on Rorschach tests and particularly Dr. Douglas Kelly. Uh, really, his family remembers that he flew into a rage and ran upstairs, and the next thing they know, he's in front of them, shouting and foaming at the mouth. In his hand 
is a small vial with the remnants of a white, sugar-like powder. He's just ingested potassium cyanide. Kelly collapses at his family's feet, and he's dead 30 seconds later. He's just 45 years old. Uh, American psychologist, psychiatrist person that interviewed the Nazi prisoners for the Nuremberg situation after the war. And the end of his life, that moment, uh, the choices he made, the question he was pondering, because like, you know, you have mass extinctions periodically. There have been five or almost six now. That stuff is only dark if there's a consciousness there to pay attention to it. And... Dr. Douglas, Douglas Kelly looked directly into the darkest parts of the human experience, and he couldn't shake it. He couldn't shake it so much that he maybe ended up taking his own life. And for me, that was that's the darkest thing. That's the stuff I had. I came away thinking, you know, man, I need to watch some kittens play, or I need to watch some Mister Rogers uh, Neighborhood. Um, that that to me, the the doctor Dr. Douglas Kelly surf was the darkest for my money. Yeah, me too. My my first inclination when trying to give this award was my mind automatically went to things like the Spanish flu or your story uh, in Terra de Fuego of the, the loss of, of so many different animal and people groups and stuff like that. And then I realized as obviously if we're just talking about this in terms of the planet, yes, those are epically terrible dark stories. But the Douglas Kelly story has a psychological element to it that is haunting and and a sort of like uh, metastasizing cancerous core to it that just kind of sits in there and won't leave your mind after a while and it clearly didn't leave him it destroyed him and so yeah 100% i agree that that to me is also uh the the darkest surf can i let you in on a little secret there go for it uh so this is an experiment this whole thing is an experiment right each time we tell a story, we're trying to tell it from a different angle. I, I had no expectation that any of this was going to be interesting or fun. Like, it might have just been me clicking a mouse, you know. Uh, we might have just been reading Wikipedia pages to each other. But when you did the Dr. Douglas Kellis, Kelly surf, that was the first time that I thought, holy hell, this is really going to work. That was a great story. Ha, good. That, I think that was the first great surf that we did, and that was on you. That's awesome. Well, and that was episode, that was the first episode. That was, that was my fir- second surf of the very first episode. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad for your sake that you realized that this that this thing you'd come up with uh, was going to work right off the bat. That's awesome. <laughs> thank goodness. I mean, you know, you're, uh, you're, you have a, you're a gifted storyteller, sir. Well, thank you, sir. You are too. I, and I, I'm glad that apparently it sounds like a lot of our listeners are agreeing with you. Hmm. Uh... So it's your turn next, and I believe, if I recall correctly, this has a sort of a similar sad vibe, this next award. The next award is the Hamlet Award, and we've named it this way because in Hamlet, written by uh, Shakespeare, um, supposedly written by Shakespeare, uh, the, the undiscovered country is mentioned, and this is simply uh, a metaphor for death. It's, the, it's also a Star Trek movie. It's also a Star Trek movie, so it's a double reference for us. Uh, but the undiscovered country is the realm of death from which we never return. And so the Hamlet Award is referencing um, who has the best death. And that could go one of several ways, I think. Um, but let's start with simply your thoughts on the matter. What, which character, which person do we talk about? Or which group, or which animal? Who do you think had the best death? Well, Douglas Kelly came up in my thoughts 
on this one. Um, and, and again, my, but it's kind of funny when I was thinking about all these, I refined my, my thought processes because they started one place, Elmer McCurdy even. And then I was like, no, Elmer McCurdy didn't have an extraordinary death. Elmer McCurdy had an extraordinary after death, uh, scenario, not life, but you know, whatever for me, I realized, no, the most epic death is the one who, the one that occurred with the full knowledge of what the person was walking into and that person had to have lived a colorful life in order to even to even walk into the face of death in this way. And that for me was Harry Truman on the slopes of Mount St. Helens. When the national spotlight turned to the lead up of the eruption of Mount St. Helens, Harry R. Truman became something of a minor celebrity. He gave interviews to local and national reporters, indicating that he refused to leave his home. Quote, If the mountain goes, I'm going with it. That mountain's part of Truman, and Truman's part of that mountain. I agree. That's my pick as well. Harry R. Truman, the man in the mountain, the guy who died uh, during the Mount St. Helens eruption. He knew full well what he was doing. He was in love with the place he was living. Uh, He had a... I guess he had a great respect for the mountain. Did he in the end? I'm not sure. But however you count it, he, he looked death square in the face and accepted it. And I, sir, do not have those kinds of uh, cojones. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think Harry R. Truman should be uh, the recipient of our Hamlet Award. We agree. Our next surf award uh, is Best Partner Surf. And what do we mean by that? We mean... Uh, the best surf that we liked that the other host uh, delivered or wrote or whatever. So that means I'm going to pick my favorite Brandon surf and Brandon in theory will pick his favorite, favorite Kyle surf. Oh crap. I better think about that. Mm. (laughs) 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 Don't think too hard. They weren't all that great. Um, But there was one surf that stood out from you in particular that I thought was your best work, best all around everything. And especially writing. And for me, that was the evolution of Santa Claus. Really? Soon thereafter, Nicholas discovered that three innocent men were about to be executed for a crime they didn't commit. He unarmed the executioner and set them free. Well, that's the simplest version of the story. Others include a far larger narrative with violent rebellion, looting, bribery and corruption that includes Nicholas speaking to people through their dreams. It's actually one we haven't mentioned yet, but I thought you did a phenomenal job putting that together, weaving the stories in and out, doing the little side uh, surfing with the the Santa Claus's helpers and, and all this early stuff. And I had no idea about some of this stuff, but him, you know, as an Italian or Greek, uh, a Greek person, a Greek bishop. And you just, you just nailed it, man. You know, I'm not a huge holiday guy, and that had the best aspects of like Christmas time to me. So, uh, and it, all of your storytelling uh, qualities are on display fully, and I really liked it. That's my favorite one you've done so far. Oh, thanks, man. No worries. I, you know what? For you, I may have a tie. Maybe I'll refine it even just as we have this conversation here. But I'm going to say on the outset that there were two surfs. Both of these surfs that I'm about to mention were surfs that when you announced them, when we began our recording, I thought, uh-oh, this doesn't sound like it's going to be all that interesting, or it doesn't sound like it's, it, it can be interesting for a surf, but you, when you announced it, you're like, I'm going to be talking about this one thing over the course of the entire episode. And I thought, uh-oh, can it sustain that? Both times I had that worry, 
they have become my two favorite picks for your surf's best surf of uh, of the entire series. Uh, for me, it's Birth of Recorded Sound or the, the Life and History of the Amazon River. Both of those were some of your long-form storytelling um, encompassing multiple surfs, but they were so engrossive and so I just found myself submerged in a gigantic vat of history and and completely at the bottom of something I couldn't even see the top of. And I was just surrounded by so much um, unbelievable, awesome back in time, time machininess that uh, for me, let's see, can I pick Birth of Recorded Sound, Life of the Amazon? You know what? I've given Life of the Amazon some love. Let's go with Birth of Recorded Sound. That was just fascinating storytelling. Indeed, it, it, it is. It's like a time capsule, time machine thing. And, and what's funny is that a lot of these cylinders, they went out to the public and they, you know, got put away in attics after a few years. And you know, there's a lot of them just still sitting in the dark in a box somewhere. And occasionally people do come across them. Uh, the cylinder archive at the University of Santa Barbara has made it its mission to collect as many as possible and to restore them and to digitize them. Oh, thanks, man. That's that means a lot. Um, that. You know, I, I those, those long form surfs, I guess we'd call them uh, m- multiple surf surfs. I'm not sure what, what our terminology is here, but uh, those are kind of like experiments when they happened. And now that we've done a couple of them, I think we both realize that there's space for that kind of storytelling. So we'll do that occasionally in series two. We'll still do the normal surfing that we've been doing. Uh, but yeah, thanks, man. You know, I I don't know how they went on. Th- I consider them unfinished, and that's just a, an aspect of my personality. I'm surprised they came off as well as they did, so I'm glad you liked them. We did have one or two comments in which uh, some people said that they much preferred um, – they didn't prefer those. They much preferred it when one surf was wildly divergent from the per, the surf that preceded it, and then the next surf yet was even more wildly divergent from that surf, and I confess – in my in my for myself i too always tried to find a surf that wasn't remotely like the one that came before it that said i didn't always follow that rule because sometimes you just discover a story that is so rich and there's so much story to tell that i thought no i'm going to stick with these presidential assassination attempts or break-ins into the White House, like a theme. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a theme is what, you know, needs. And I'm glad that we don't do that most of the time. But I'm also glad that we recognize that there are times in which the story has to be told on a, on a wider palette than we normally give it. Agreed. It's the experimental nature here. Yeah, absolutely. We're making this up as we go along, people. <laughs> We're not professionals. Um, so what's next? What, what award have we got now? So we are closing in. We only have two surfs left. And since, you know, our last one was what's our favorite uh, uh, surf that the other person did. Now it's what's your favorite surf? Best personal favorite surf. Kyle, what's your favorite surf that you did last series? Okay. My my favorite surf last series uh, is only my favorite because of being in in the same space as this story. And that is the eruption of Mount St. Helens. But also, from where I was sitting, you could see other nearby mountains. Mount Adams, Mount Hood near Portland, but most notably, Mount St. Helens. The eruption of Mount St. Helens. And this is where I want to begin my my wiki surf. Mount St. Helens is most famous now for having erupted spectacularly in 1980. 
seeing that volcano popped wide open on the landscape from an airplane window seat, which I really did see. Uh, every time I go back to listen to that or, or, or think about it, like I still have the same like, holy cow, what the heck is that out the window kind of a moment. And, you know, for me, that that bring it's the most emotionally impactful. So that's my favorite. Love it. Love it. I also love that um, that's not necessarily one that that's come up a whole lot. Hmm. It's, it's, you know, the, the, the one that means the most to you or me isn't necessarily one that was the most popular um, or most talked about. Hmm. And I had like, you know, when looking at mine, like I, I really enjoyed the Santa one was good. But for some reason, that's not that didn't even come up on my favorites for myself. Um, the McCurdy story came up. The move bombing came up. The Japanese invasion of Alaska came up in my head uh, front and center. But even those aren't my choices. My, I, I think my final choice for my favorite surf would come down to either two surfs that have barely come up. They've been like honorable mentions just cast aside earlier. And that's the California gold rush and the history of profanity. And I may... I may have to just go with a history of profanity here. Shakespeare's plays were edited to remove anything that might offend women or children. Away, you starveling, you eel skin, you dried neat's tongue, you bull's pizzle, you stockfish. And it's so unlike any other story I told because it's not a story. It's more of just talking about uh, the, the history of how words are formed. It's more of like a linguistic examination. It's not like an actual history with people and events. So it almost down, sounds like it shouldn't even qualify. But I just it was so interesting when I was doing the research and it was so fun to put together uh, and so enjoyable. And we had so many people who contributed to that story with great voices and and, you know, it's our one that darn stupid surf gave us our, you know, uh, our explicit rating for, on our podcast for that one dumb surf. It's ruined everything. But it was so much fun. I think it was worth it. <laughs> I really did like that one. And the the profanity for uh, the sci-fi stuff was uh, an yeah. awesome side surf. Yeah. But uh, uh, to back you up on the California Gold Rush, man, I really did like that one a lot. That was a nice big surf for you, too, and because you had like kind of three different sub stories that were related and yeah. I, I mean, you told it well, the, the characters were interesting, almost a given for you. But to me, like, I didn't know anything about the California Gold Rush. It's just a blank space on my historical map. So, like, getting introduced to it that in that way was was really great. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a shame we haven't mentioned it so much. Well, you yet. know, one thing I do love about this is is when we tell these stories, trying to find someone within those stories who stands out as a incredibly colorful, rich, three-dimensional character, someone who um, oftentimes, sometimes they become the story. Uh, and I just love that history is full of, like Harry Truman, the most colorful people imaginable. Hmm. Well, sir, I think we've come down to the final award. What is it? Okay, so our final award, best overall surf. So this is the best of everything. What surf uh, had the best overall sound, story, Interesting, interesting level of topic, interesting people that we were discussing, uh, delivery, all the things that would make a, a great surf great. And maybe even this would be a good example of something you can share with somebody else to get them to listen to the podcast. Hint, hint. So uh, I'm going to start with listing uh, some audience honorable mentions. And there's a couple of them here, so I'm just going to read straight through them. You Social Spiders, The Human-Penguin Relationships from Tierra de Fuego, Project Habakkuk, The Eruption of Mount St. Helens, The Canadian Pacific Railway, 
the last days of Tierra de Fuego, and attempted presidential assassinations. Those are pretty good. Those are pretty good. Uh, even more popular was another list of audience runner-ups. Um, and all of these tied, for various reasons or another, uh, the Japanese invasion of Alaska. It's an excellent surf. Uh, a history of profanity. The Centralia coal fire, which we haven't mentioned a whole lot here. And I, I, I really I really love that one. And... And could definitely go in. That one should have been in the running also for, like, weirdest as well. Yeah, I'm surprised that one didn't get any uh, any mentions thus far. Ooh, we've got lots of good stories. There are lots of good stories here. Uh, and also Elmer McCurdy. So uh, maybe I'll throw in a, a drum roll here. All right, pins and needles. Break it to me, Kyle. What is the audience's choice for the best surf of the entire series? Uh, the best surf for the entire series, uh, the audience winner... It's a tie. Uh-oh. Except that it's not. Uh, so the two listed are the birth of recorded sound and the life history of the Amazon River. Nice. Uh, but there's an asterisk here, uh, meaning that several fans maybe mistook, mistook the term surf to mean episode. So, And that's okay. That That's on us. We didn't enunciate enough, probably. And in that case, Welcome to the Jungle, the episode uh, seven, I believe, uh, would technically make the life of the Amazon River the best one? That's it. That's the math. The math doesn't lie. All right. When you combine people who highlighted just that individual surf and people who highlighted that entire episode, the runaway winner is absolutely the life of the Amazon River. Very nice. Okay. Cool. I agree. Well, with that out of the way, ladies and gentlemen, we have one last thing we want to say to you, our fans and our listeners. But before we do... We want to share just a few more of the nuggets we uncovered with our end-of-series poll. Some of this stuff is just interesting, and we wanted to share it. 86% of respondents never miss a show, and 90% of you listen to the entire thing, even when it's almost two hours long. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. 63% <laughs> of you said that the show is perfect as it is and don't change a single thing. So, I mean, hey, that's the majority. So, yay! We are going to be making some changes. Again, look forward to season two. There are going to be some cool changes coming. Only one person said he would not recommend the show to a friend. Who are you, anonymous one person? <laughs> but this person also admitted that they'd only listened to one episode thus far. So I choose to believe, Kyle, that it's only because that person needs a larger sample size before they're willing to commit. And I totally understand that. That's understandable. We understand. But do listen to some more, please. Yeah. Hopefully this, if anything, is giving you uh, uh, some good incentive. Only 52% of you, so basically half of you, were satisfied with the frequency of our episodes, which we drop every other week. We, too, we promise you, would love to release more often. We would love to have Wikisurfer be a weekly thing. But post-production is so time-consuming, it simply isn't possible. It is a massive undertaking to add the music and all of those sound effects to these stories, especially when these stories are as long as they are. It just simply isn't possible for us to do that. And uh, we'll more on that in just a moment. Okay, so here's an interesting thing uh, that I thought was really great, Brandon. Um, we should definitely say that the majority of our respondents to our poll came to Wikisurfer via Trexpertise. Woohoo! Uh, so for those of you out there that that are Trexpertise fans, uh, that's a YouTube channel that that, uh, that we do. Um, thank you very much. Thank you very much for for taking the time to swing by. Like that's really magnificent of you and. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. That's amazing. So much. Thank you. I can't imagine the the blending of two better communities than uh, than Wikisurfer and Trexpertise, which is something I've, of course, loved for years. 
So, Kyle, before we move on to our final little little segment of discussion, I just wanted to read off a couple comments that I thought were interesting. They they were um, critical, but you don't learn or get better unless you address some of the critical things. Now, each of these was only said once. Only one person felt this, but I thought they were nonetheless kind of interesting. So I kind of wanted to want to read them. Uh, one person said. The show needs to be more conversational. It feels too much like I'm having a book read to me, which – and I, I bring this one up only because you guys really like our banter, apparently, when Kyle and I are chatting amongst – back and forth with each other after reading our stories. And I confess, we assumed, or at least I assumed, that when we started this show, that would be the least – popular part. And if you've listened, if you go back and listen to episode one and two, there's barely any banter. And the reason is we assumed you'd all hate it. Like, get on with the stories. I'm tired of hearing you guys yap at each other. When in fact, the opposite is true. And over the course of this entire thing, a lot of listeners reached out to us and said, we love the banter, which we didn't expect whatsoever. So thank you for that. That's awesome. I Unexpected and wonderful. It, it is unexpected. And yeah, like you, I thought Surely that wasn't going to be a real component. Another person said that occasionally fairly significant contextual information is left unmentioned. I'm really curious. I wish they had mentioned what stories they were talking about, story or stories they were talking about. Um, and it's true. You know, when we're talking about the fact that you could rabbit hole for days with some of these things, sometimes there is a larger story and we tell more of a limited story. But a lot of that time, that's just because... Um, we don't want to make the show three hours, um, but I am curious, like, what did we leave behind? Like, I, you know, maybe we made some mistakes in some of our stories insofar as there would have been a, a contextual element that would have made the story a lot better that we we either ignored or didn't realize was there in the you know, in the first place. So I, I wish this person, if you're listening, feel free to reach out and let us know because I'm curious. And the last one that I thought was really interesting, the last comment was, it didn't seem like it laid out ahead of time what the discussions were going to be about. And I find this one really interesting. Interesting because I think, Kyle, um, I think people, some people, uh, our listeners clearly think that we discuss these stories with each other ahead of time before we record. But is that true? Uh, that is that is not true. We uh, we we try as best we can to hide the surfing from each other so that when we're listening to the story for the first time when we record. It really is genuinely the first time. And, you know, as a result, some of that conversation we have really is, you know, true to life reaction, I think. Yeah. So episode one, the very first episode, we totally um, had shared what we were going to our stories with each other. We shared our script like we knew every uh, detail and we quickly realized after just doing it once, we're not ever going to do that again because there it lacked sort of spontaneity and, and joy and the sort of like awe that comes from having your brain break open when someone tells an amazing story. And we realized we did that one time. We're like, not doing that again. So, yeah, when you hear us reacting to each other's stories on this podcast, it's because we are hearing it for the very first time. We have no idea what the other person is going to talk about, except in rare circumstances, like when Kyle says, hey, Brandon, I want you to be the Amazon River. But even there. I purposely did not read his script. He just get sent it to me ahead of time with the highlighted bits. And I was like, I'm not reading what's in between these. So and I love that. I love the fact that uh, we are reacting. We're not acting. Yeah, it's good because like the whole imp the thing that makes this thing work is literally curiosity. And, you know, want to see if we can spark each other's curiosity as often as possible. So I think that's something we'll keep in place going forward in series two. We'll Try to keep more of it hidden before record day, I think. Absolutely. Well, Kyle, time to wrap this up. And in doing so, there's something we need to do first. And that is, we want to stop and take a moment to say thank you. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for leaving reviews. Thank you for following us along on this weird little podcast. We've got big plans for this thing, so you've joined us at just the right time. We haven't even scratched the surface, fellow humans. There are so many stories out there. I want to take just a moment to say a special thank you to everybody who has lent their voice to this thing. Uh, that is, it, it, you, don't, you don't even know how awesome that is for you guys to do that and how much color it gives the stories. And uh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. As I was mentioning earlier with like my profanity podcast, like we we love the fact that we reach out to you, our fans and listeners to provide the voices. I don't know if some of you know that, but we reach out to to either people we know or to fans who've come forward and say, I love your show. I'd like, uh, you know, include me sometime. And we and we do. So we have got some amazing voices in there, uh, some of whom have done numerous things, some of whom have only done one thing, but knocked it right out of the park. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Kyle, I'm so glad you said that. Thank you to everyone who has even helped us out, lent their voices, and made this thing an even better experience than we ever could just by ourselves. We are currently gearing up for Series 2, writing and surfing and exploring the universe via Wikipedia. That means bigger, weirder stories, more storytelling, perhaps maybe more experiments. But none of what we've done so far would be possible without your ears and brains plugged into this thing. Wikisurfer is a lot of work like a lot of work. So it's it's rewarding to know that these audio adventures are being appreciated by someone somewhere. It's kind of spectacular, really. And it is on this subject that we'd like to turn to you. There's a way that we can take these audio adventures to the next level. By listening and sharing Wikisurfer with other humans, you have given this podcast life. Thank you. And please keep doing that. However, there is one more important way that you can help us to continue to make Wikisurfer episodes and to make it even better. Patreon. Through Patreon, donations can go to assist in making Wikisurfer a bigger, more sophisticated audio adventure. Increased quality in writing and sound design, better microphones, more sophisticated editing. Even donating something as simple as $1 to $2 per month can be used to pay for music, sound effects, and most importantly, time which we can use to craft the narratives and discover new topics. And with continuing donations down the road, we can add others to the Wikisurfer team, guest surfers, people with audio expertise, writers, and we can include interviews too. Maybe we can even travel to a location where a story takes place and get real audio context. This possible wiki future starts in one place, Patreon. And it starts with one person, you. So if this is something you truly love, something to which you've listened to each and every episode, something you are glad exists in the world, something in which you can see promise, then please consider supporting us on Patreon. Help us make better surfs and make better Wikisurfer. You can find the pertinent details and the links at our website, www.wikisurferpodcast.com. So that said, fellow humans, we'll announce the date of our inaugural Series 2 episode soon on our social media channels, Facebook and Twitter, and at wikisurferpodcast.com. Until then, happy surfing. Happy surfing, everybody. And again, thank you so much. Mm-hmm.